To me, it starts with a mindset that failure is not an option. Hi, welcome to the Winners Find a Way show and podcast with your host, Trent M. Clark, three-time World Series coach, CEO of Leadershipity, serial entrepreneur, having started 12 companies, coach to the 1%, and an international speaker. This show is going to be your go-to podcast for facing adversity, being inspired, and overcoming obstacles, all from the best in the world, business, sports, and leadership. To me, it starts with the mindset that failure is not an option. It was not an option for me when I started the business and I came to America. It's not an option now. I have responsibility in front of my team who've been supporting me now for decades, who believed in me and who work tirelessly for the entire team's success. I have responsibility in front of my clients who believed in me and brought in our brand, my brand into their stores and support us. I have responsibility in front of vendors, you know, dozens of factories who we work with and give them a lot of business, which helps to help them families. Back then when I started the business, I was self-sufficient. My parents did not have a lot of money. They had another child. So I was really left up to me. And if I want to go to university, which one? And if I choose to go where? Please apply and figure out how you're going to pay for it, whether you're going to work, get scholarships, get, I don't know, financial aid and so on. When I was faced with the choices back at 17, only living in America for one year and only speaking English one year, what am I going to do? I knew I want to be successful and I knew I want to be the best I could be. So with extremely limited English and extremely limited knowledge of the educational system in America, I applied to Eastern Michigan because it was closer driving than going to U of M. I had no idea the difference between ratings of universities back then. And then I realized I have to pay for it. So likely back then, (laughs) one credit hour cost around $90. So it was under $100 when I started school. So a full year of classes, 15 courses, right? So it's $1,500 for credit hour for semester, $500 for books. So two, $3,000, I pretty much covered all my educational expenses. So by working, I was able to pay for my school. And when I graduated from university, I think I had only a couple thousand dollars in debt. The situation is very different now. I'm mind boggled Mm -hmm. by the cost of tuition now. And I'm shocked that kids graduate from universities with a quarter million dollar degrees without understanding how their profession and occupation is going to even pay for it. So, but the bottom line, what I wanted to share with this experience is that I had those choices of going to school because I saw the benefit of education, starting the business. I would go to classes in the morning. I would go to dance schools in the afternoon. I would fly to trade shows and business meetings in the morning, take red eye from California so I can be on time for Monday morning classes. I would do homework in an airport and do whatever else it takes to succeed. So climbing the wall was you know, much more challenging back then from the basic perspective. Now it's a bigger mm. challenge of the responsibility that's on my shoulders when it's much bigger enterprise, a lot of people involved, and a lot of moving parts. You should have been the global student entrepreneur award winner back in the day. Like, that's pretty awesome. Like, in the middle of school, you're trying to do this. Uh, EO, actually, Entrepreneur Organization, has an award, and uh, they have a show, actually, on Disney+, Plus. I think. I cannot recall the name of that show right now where they uh, do a little bit of a documentary following that contest for the 
best student entrepreneur in the world. And I like that what you said about the responsibility at leadership. We train up leaders to understand that with your own people alone, you are making a decision for four for every person. So you, if you have a group, an industry, and an organization of 250 people, you are likely making a decision for 1,000 people because they have spouses, they have significant others, they have children, they have you know responsibilities, they're taking care of adults. Everyone is responsible for about three pop, three people besides themselves in a general family as an average. And so leaders can't, you can't shake that responsibility of running an organization. And now I think you just added a great facet to that for me, which is my vendors too, right? Like they are also relying on our increased business. Their families are on the line on this. And when all of a sudden, like you said last year during a pandemic and 90% of our orders have lowered right? Like, wow, I can't imagine that impact and that wave that goes out across all those vendors, all those employees, all those things that that happen. That's a hard thing for people to always understand. Even me, and I'm in the business, right? I am in business and it's hard to even fathom it in my mind. So let's pivot for a moment to what do you think your superpower is? What separates Alexandra from other leaders? What's helped you get there and maintain your and sustain your success? Need to hydrate but tired of plain old water? You need rebellious infusions. No sugar, no calories, loaded with antioxidants to boost your immune system. And L-thionine for brain health. 10 organic flavors and convenient liquid packets. Just add 16 ounces and you are on your way. Rethink your drink at drinkrebellious.com. For 10% off of your next purchase, use the code 99999. Resilience. Talk to me a little bit more about that. During the COVID, when uh, the world was shattering, I had to take an inventory of those superpowers. And I realized that my superpowers are my network of people, my team, and my knowledge and experience and expertise in fields of building businesses. Mm -hmm. And I realized that no matter what happens in the world, nobody can take that away from me. And no matter what happens in the world, there will still be a need for something, whether it's a product or whether it's a service. And I believe that with my knowledge and with my expertise, I will be able to find those opportunities, pivot the organization, recoup the team if necessary, and move forward. And when sometimes I'm a double digit sales per day coming in and the team was afraid to tell it to me, um, not to upset me even more, you know, I had to think deep inside, what am I going to do? Am I going to just stop and call it a day? And probably with my education, with my skills, my experience, I can always find uh, a job or way to make some living. But again, I had the responsibility in front of all of my team members plus four and vendors and clients and everybody else. And I said, well, no matter what happens, I have the confidence that between my team, my network, and my ability to build businesses and find opportunities will survive. So I think that was one of those moments where the resilience really came in. I'd like to uh, talk a little bit more about that. Like that one, do you think that's the one value? It may be for you, but let's talk about an overarching for all right? What do you think one value, belief, an action that someone should take when they're down to consider, you know, how I might turn things around, like how it might turn, help me turn around? Where do I get grounded into the foundation 
of that one value, belief, or action, what do you think that one thing would be for you or you'd recommend? I go back to my foundation of why I chose to do what I'm doing. Okay. And it's all those reasons. What is your why, right? Why Simon Sinek. <laughs> Simon, yes. <laughs> A lot of good points from him. But I make those lists, you know, in my little notebook uh, on a regular basis. And I read to them. Not only on January 1st, not on my birthday, but I read right. them on a regular basis. And the hard moments of hardship, that's where I go back to see what is my purpose and what is my mission, what a change, positive change I want to make in the world. So in the moments of despair and the moments of struggle and the moments when we perhaps need to change the way we're doing things, I would go back to, again, take the inventory of all my skills and my team skills of the changes we're seeing in the world and the kind of the mega trends right? What am I passionate about? And what are people willing to pay for? And those circles and those lists probably will change, but there should be something still in the middle, hopefully of all four or at least three that we can recoup and start on pivot. Okay. Love it. Let's ask a couple of questions. I'm going to see if there's any questions in the audience. I have a couple of things for you. Talk to me a little bit about the life coming over. When your mom said, hey, we're going to do this. You've got friends in Russia. I mean, you're a young lady becoming a woman quickly here at 16 years old. The, the challenge of leaving always what you've known to a very unknown, if that's fair. I mean, and you're thinking, I think this is a good idea. <laughs> but like, are you thinking it's a bad idea at the time? Take, walk me through your mindset at that time of that challenge for your family, for you and your mother. I think I saw the bigger opportunity than the challenge. Yes. The challenge of leaving all my friends and my family, the challenge yes. of leaving my dance school and my other hobbies I was doing, the challenge of not speaking English, the challenge of my parents going through divorce and now me being in the new family. It all was there, but somehow I looked at the excitement of coming to America and living the American dream that outshined all the other things and went to Huron High School in Narva, Michigan with a dictionary. And that dictionary yeah. was giant. It was like this big. It was this thick. It was red color. Because yeah. again, there was no internet with the Google Translate. So That's I right. would bring all my textbooks and my notebooks and the red dictionary. And in that school, everybody's like, yeah, this Russian girl with the red dictionary that runs around school because I didn't yeah. understand what was written in the textbook or on the board. Sure. So kind of you go through those funny moments of either translating things with a red dictionary of not having friends or adapting to their completely new family, new traditions, learning how to drive just so you can get to work and make $5 an hour that you would spend money to drive and to pay for gas and everything else. But like that was the first step. It was way better than not having it. When you're sitting there, right? And you're 14 or 15. You said something interesting to me, which you know we hear it a lot, but we probably overlook it, I think. You said, I saw the opportunity in the American dream. As a 14 or 15-year-old, just prior to that, you'd learn something of what an American dream looks like or means. So what did it mean to you? It means to me to have the environment where... I can grow both personally and professionally where there's no limit to how high I can go, how much I can earn, who I can become as an individual, as a leader, as a community contributor. I can positively impact the community around me by creating jobs 
by stimulating business, by fostering international relations, by participating in a local uh, community and governments, and by bettering life for those around me, for those who are willing to work hard. So to me, that's the American dream, being rewarded for this and then choosing to do what I really love to do. And nobody forces us in America to choose one career over another. We have a complete... Choice of it. I mean, it's not like there's a quota that the government pushes on us of how what job we need to get. I love that. Uh, two words that really stuck out in that, right, was limit and choice, right? Like there's no limit. The sky is the limit. We always hear that as kids, right? You know, the sky is the limit, Alexandra. And you're like, how high is that? Like, you know, what is that? <laughs> so, and then two is, you know, hey, it's your choice. And having five children of my own, right? I, often am caught up with kids making choices that I probably don't agree with, right, as their father. And I'm like, you know, but you are free to make that choice. You will also be free to suffer the consequence of that choice, right? Like they go hand in hand, right? And so we have both and we know, hey, listen, sometimes those choices turn out great. And sometimes the choices we make turn out very poorly. But One of the things I want to kind of pivot off this is that it's something very interesting that you and I have talked to about previously is we have women leaders are, I have a lot in our company, right? We have a lot under leadership that we work with and it is becoming probably the fastest growing demographic here in leadership because we're seeing 10% CEOs, which will near 20% at the track within another year and a half, right? So it's going fast that, hey, some of these skill sets that really serve our organization, some of these skill sets we need, uh, there's tons of women who have them. Why can't they lead? And they've proven it and they've done it well. So why not, right? And this isn't new news to you. And you've never felt like you've been limited as a woman leader. So talk to me about when you say no limits, my choice, you don't see limitations. Why do you think, I mean, are there limitations? Are there benefits? What should other women know, especially young women going into this world right now and going at it and saying, I want something pretty big for me and my family, and I'm willing to do the work. Trent, it's a very interesting topic you bring up. And I grew up in society where women had an equal pay with men, as pretty much everybody else in Soviet Union. But I also felt that I more in the advantage, right? I received the same education as all of my male classmates. I can participate in the same clubs. I felt that I can register the company and be entrepreneur in America. In my dance industry, it was predominantly female-dominated. Yes. From the dancers to the dance teachers to the store owners. So also, I felt like I am on a completely equal ground. I mean, I felt a little bit of, in the beginning, disadvantage that I was... 20-year-old starting the business that I didn't know anything about how to run the business, but I learned. And I didn't speak uh, very good English and I had a very thick accent, but over the years it improved. So I did not build my career as entrepreneur thinking that I'm disadvantaged. I actually thought I'm advantage because I can also maybe sweet talk my way into an appointment or I can charm my way out of a challenging situation. I can smooth out edges from the conflict. I never thought that we as women in disadvantage. Granted, Mm. I never worked in a corporate world. I don't know what it's like to be there. 
And I take points of the women who have the challenges of the glass ceiling very, very seriously. And there's so much that's being done already about this. But I really felt like I was always an advantage. It just, it never crossed my mind until I've been started being told now over and over again that we're in disadvantage. Well, I think what I've always seen is there's bias. There's bias for a lot of things. There's probably bias for male dancers, right? Like the entertainment is these beautiful women with their gorgeous lines, skill, fitness, expertise. And we don't want to see a guy in this. Like, this is what we want, right? And it's like, okay, you have to give the entertainment what they want. This isn't, so there may be something to that. Like, there's probably not, you said, like, there's not the amount of males in dance that there are of females. Fine. Like, that is what it is. I don't know if it's wrong or right. It just is, right? I I love the way that you described, like, not focusing. What I heard you say was, you're not focusing on where people are telling you no, like, I'm focusing all the things that I can do. No one's asking me and I, and we always in the United States and you found this out probably pretty quickly, right? As you went to university, we focus so much on your grade point average. I've never had a bank as an entrepreneur ask for my grade point average. Like I have a really good one. And if my credit score was as good as my grade point average, I'd probably get more money loaned out, right? Like, so it doesn't, there's a different KPI for that. And there's emphasis on something that is important at that level, but it may not serve importance lifelong, right? I don't think we've ever met anybody now at our age and our experience. We're like, Alexander, good to meet you. What was your grade point average at Eastern Michigan? I've never had someone ask me that question, right? So, yeah. And whether we get a cli- contract from client or not, doesn't right. depend on our GPA. So focus yeah. on the yeses instead of no's. Focus yes. on your strength instead of weaknesses. Manage the weaknesses. Improve them if you can. And focus on opportunities instead of what is not possible. There have been so many doors closed in front of me. I heard so many times, no. I had the phone hung up on me because they couldn't even understand what I was offering to them. But yeah. you know what? There was more people on that cold list that I could have called. So focus on the yeses instead of no's. Let's see. You've had a lot of success. You've won a lot right? I mean, you've got a thriving, I love Russian Point, you know, Flex's big brand coming on. What's the best battle that you've conquered in your lifetime? I think the best battle I conquered in my lifetime the is- The best battle, maybe the hardest battle, but you conquered it. Like you overcame yeah. it. What's the hardest challenge that you faced and overcame? I think having low self-confidence and not being sure in my self and my abilities. It took me, say, two decades of being an entrepreneur until I actually felt confident in what I'm doing. And by that time, I already went to Harvard. I already built a multi-million dollar business. I already had a distribution centers in America and in Europe. I have hundreds of retailers that sold my my brand. I went to Harvard. I just did so. I had the awards, but I didn't feel confident deep inside. And it was not until one turning point that I actually felt confident. And no matter what the people were telling me, I still didn't feel confident. Yeah until I started feeling it inside. What was the turning point? So I had somebody, I had a company that uh, came in that wanted to buy my company. And we went through the exercise of preparing the doc and doing the presentations. And as I sat there doing the presentation for this large private equity firm, I realized how much more I know from potentially the people that I would have to report to. And Mm. none of this 
people in a fancy suit sitting in front of me build a business. None of them done it from scratch. None of them overcame the challenges that I overcame. And from the questions they asked me and from the answers they gave me when I asked them about their vision for what they're doing, from their obstacles, from their analysis, I drove back to my office from that meeting and I realized is that I know so much more and I'm so confident in my abilities as an entrepreneur. And instead of selling my company, I actually went around and a couple of months later ended up buying the FLX brand, which now is growing to be a superstar brand as well. So I think we all have those turning moments. And until we feel it inside, no matter what everybody else tells us and what awards we receive and what articles we get and the video appearances, it's on the surface. It's not deep inside. So I hope mm. whatever your battle is, internal or external, each person will overcome this and just never know when it's going to happen. Yeah. One of the things I want to come back for a second, just to talk to people out there and listen to this, because I think this is really important of what you did, right? You've always been a journaler. Is that right? You journal, you write down. And I love what you said earlier, which is I don't just look at on January 1st, right? Like, Hey, it's a new year. I've got my resolution, right? You are in it. And our journaling typically reflect our thoughts, right? It reflects our mind. For you who, who are out there, and if you have, we're, we're reading everybody else's stuff. And listen, I love Jim Collins. And I love Simon Sinek. And I do love some great authors that offer some great content, right? And that's awesome. But you are a great author, right? And you should know thyself and reading what you wrote to yourself and seeing that. My guess is if I were to open up Alexandra's journal prior to that moment, I would see a little bit different tone about Alexandra on Alexandra than I do today. Is that fair? Absolutely. People take a lesson from that. That's big. And I'm telling you, Alexandra, I don't think you are on an island with not feeling like not confident enough. I don't know enough. I mean, we run the imposter syndrome all the time. And, and sometimes we don't even believe it till I read off all these things you've done, the awards and all this stuff. And you're like, going, whoa, that was me because I've been busy. And <laughs> I felt like there was a lot of failures along the way, which of course we don't tend to bring up, right? Except on my show where I get to talk about where we, we buffed it up. But I want to, before we go, I want, first of all, thank you, Alexander. This is so awesome. I know our listeners will see the value in, in this episode. I enjoyed learning about coming over as an immigrant and what that looked like. And, and actually not just envisioning the American dream, but actually doing it. And I mean, I just, I'm so proud of you for that. Like, I just think that's awesome. I learned about journaling and the value of reading our own book. We're always reading everybody else. Are we reading our own story and learning? We don't go back to our notes and our goals on, on the first of the year and June for us entrepreneurs, you know, June 30th is a big one because of the halfway year mark, right? July 1st, a quarter, you know, second quarter ends and you're halfway. So you can spend July 4th mulling over what's happened in the first half and, and what I need to do in the second half. What I'd like to finish with this, Alexandra, which is the best way to win. I mean, is there something you want to share with the listeners that we did not touch on today? Maybe something else that you find very important to you for them to know going forward, I'm going out there. I will face trials. I will face challenge. No one's immune. Gets out of that, right? What do you think maybe is one thing on the best way to win? Know why you chose to be on this journey and believe that internally you have the strength to overcome any challenge. So you can live your dream, not just dream your dream. 
I love that. Like we say that all the time, live the dream. Like, hey, you got to actually do it. Alexander, I think that's so great for everyone else. Alexander, thank you again for coming. Where can we find you again? Alexandra.com or on LinkedIn, Alexandra Yefimova. And you can find her podcast, 5678, which the eight is written out in full, right? Like eight. That's her podcast. You can find that on all the major networks. Follow our show on YouTube Live, LinkedIn Live, Facebook Live, our Leadershipity channel. We always record and, and it is there. Again, we are on Leadershipity on Instagram and Twitter. I am at Trent M. Clark on all the social networks. You can find me there. Please like our content. Enjoy our content. Uh, subscribe to our show. We have some great shows. It's pretty awesome. And look for our upcoming book, The, Le- the Pyramid of Leadershipity, Accountability, for leaders and, and look for your flex products too, by the way, because Alexandra she is delivering top line and Russian point products. If you have a young child in dance, like you are probably going to buy her products at some point. So DM me, email me, let me know what you think. I'd love to hear it. If you enjoyed our episode, rate us five stars. People continue listening. We work hard to deliver value delivering stories from one percenters, just like Alexandra. And as I was assured Alexandra delivered as usual. Alexandra, I got last question for you. Is there a go-to reading for you, a quote, a verse, something that you go to when things may be not going right for you? And you've, you've had this in the last year. Is there something you go back to read and it can level you, can set you back on your foundation and get you righted. The ship is safe in the harbor, but it's not what ships are built for. You're going to just challenge everybody, Alexander. I love it. Like there is going to be risk in this world and this is not what they're built for. You know, us baseballers, we have, uh, you can't steal second base with your foot on first, right? And so similar mantra there. I have a verse for you. When I have a guest come on, I look at a verse, I think about it, pray about it during the week, about who's coming. And I always want to consider the person. I usually know people pretty well, but I went to Proverbs 4.26. Give careful thought to the paths of your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. I think about that every time, Alexander, I came across that verse and I was like, listen, like you are thoughtful because you know your why. You know exactly who you want to be. You know why you positioned yourself in this. You know what you're going for. If you have not followed Alexandra's posts, you will be delighted and encouraged and motivated because she puts things out there into the world that are delivering high quality content, information for you to be to feel better. And it's awesome. And products do the same from your health and wellness. So, but then be steadfast in all your ways, right? When she's telling you that quote of the ship, right? This is what it's built for, right? She is steadfast in her way. She is steadfast and this is how I can do the product. This is how we'll get out of this challenge. This is how we serve people well. And she stays the focus on that in all time. And when you meet her personally, which I hope you get to someday, you will realize she's very focused and diligent and professional about the way she goes about her brands and takes her responsibility in utmost care for those that surround her and have built her up, which she's thanked today, which is again, a mark of gratitude. So for me, Alexandra, I am so thankful you could join us today. It's been awesome. Thank you so much, Trent. And thank you for all the audience who joined us today. I'm wishing you much success in all aspects of your life. Great for everyone. Thank you for listening. We will see you next time in the next episode on the Winners Find A Way show. Hate the crappy ingredients in many beverages and energy drinks? Rebellious Infusions are the go-to functional beverage. They have five or fewer plant-based organic ingredients. No sugar, no calories, loaded with antioxidants to boost your immune system. And L-thionine for brain health. 
Rebellious infusions are available at drinkrebellious.com. Rethink your drink. For 10% off of your next purchase, use the code 99999. Do you want to be our next guest? Or do you have inspiring stories to share? Or do you love to inspire, support, and empower thought leaders? Feel free to send Trent a direct message on Instagram or Facebook at Leadershipity.